You're listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network on BingeMedia.net. And now, the Binge Aftertaste. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Gear up, bingers. It's time for the binge movie aftertaste. Fast and Furious Retrospective. Are you serious right now? Join Matt, Garrett, and Alex as they race through the entire franchise dedicated to fast cars and furious action. Stay the fuck out of my way. Where does each host come down on the series as a whole? Would you believe I knocked him out with my charm? You need that charming bitch. How has this franchise lasted this goddamn long? I need a refill. This is serious stuff. Will the hosts hate each other like The Rock and Vin Diesel by this retrospective's end? Sounds like a marriage. Yeah, but with cars, when you trade up, they don't take half your shit. Find out the answers to these questions and a whole lot more. All coming up, courtesy of Binge Media. Ow! I smell skanks. Fast and Furious 6, a.k.a. Fast 6, if you watch the Blu-ray or on Amazon. Released May 24th, 2013. Budget was between 160 and $260 million. Box office of $788 million. Jesus God. And this was directed by the fourth time in a row by Justin Lin. All right, boys. It's been... A little bit, at least in recording time, since we've gotten together to talk about one of these movies. But based on those box office numbers, it just said audiences didn't give a shit that time had passed. They were hungry for more cars. They were hungry for more Vin Diesel, I guess. And it was a very packed summer going into 2013. It was the summer of Iron Man 3. It was the summer we had a new Star Trek movie coming out. We had a new Wolverine movie coming out. We had Man of Steel. It was definitely a summer to go to the movies. And this kind of filled that action niche without being a superhero movie. Although there's some shit in this movie that even Captain America would be like, God damn, even that would kill me. Mm-hmm. All but, those choices and people still went to this one. Mm-hmm. And people went in droves. This was the highest grossing one up to this point. You know, you're talking damn near $800 million. Although budget's definitely getting bigger and bigger. There's a $100 million discrepancy between the low end and the high end. So who knows how much this was paid for. But as I always want to do, I want to go to Alex first. You know, you were pretty high on the fifth one, as yes. was I. And Garrett was to a, to a certain extent, I guess in comparison to the previous movies you talked about. Were you pumped, looking forward, going to see this? Or were you just like, oh, this looks like just the fifth one with a new coat of paint? Yeah, yeah, that's you pretty much nailed it there, Matt. You know, when I think back, th- this is kind of a blind spot in the way that four was a blind spot. Not as much of as a blind spot, because there are a couple of things that I did remember going into the rewatches. The tank, Luke Evans. Wait, not Luke Evans. 
yeah, Luke Evans and, um, you know, bringing the rock back. So, you know, I was pretty stoked. I don't remember if I watched this in theaters, but after hearing that box office total, I can't think of a better group to be associated with than with the Fast and Furious fucking fans around the world. I want to be part of the $700 million club, Garrett. For context, that was the sixth highest grossing total of 2013. This movie outgrossed Monsters University, Man of Steel, and Thor the Dark World. So it outgrossed a Pixar movie, the first Superman movie in God knows how long, and Thor's follow-up to the Avengers. So you can't call us a disappointment by any means, although if you look at the top ten, this is the only time Universal cracked it. But Mr. Collins, my beloved partner in crime, were you just at this point ready to just bend over and take it when it came to these movies and just it was inevitable pretty much at this time in my life i had just graduated college i was looking forward to those movies that you had mentioned and this was like you said it was a crowded summer and alex and law were back on the air this year and alex i seem to remember you did go to theaters to see oh did i i I think so because the only way i would be associated with this franchise is by listening to you guys like i listened to you guys back on the old show when you guys talked about the fifth one and i listened to you guys in kupka talk about this one and i was set to just stay away from it i wanted no part of it until james wan was associated with the movie that we'll talk about next week uh for reasons that we'll talk about then but i was good to just stay away and (laughs) when i heard that this one this one was coming out i was like god not again but i will say after being slightly encouraged by last week I thought, you know what? I have a new set of eyes. I've been going through this with two really good buddies. And let's see what they can dish up here. I went into this way more optimistic than 2013. I went into this just encouraged by uh, what Mm -hmm. I was about to see. Speaking of encouragement, that was how I got into the theater to see this one. I liked Five. Still like it a lot. But if you would ask me, was I going to run out to go see the next one? I probably, without being warranted, I wouldn't have gone opening weekend. Until somebody let it slip that this movie kind of fucks with the timeline in a major way. Or I should say recontextualizes this entire series. So that alone Mm kind of got me curious. I was like, please don't tell me there's time travel now. Are we going to get a crossover with fucking Doc Brown? And it's going to be a DeLorean racing American muscle. Granted, I would watch that movie, (laughs) but it wouldn't be good. You know, I went to go see it and talk about my, my thoughts on it. But a little bit of the production history of this one as well. We talked about how the fourth and the fifth one are two radically different movies. Fourth Mm -hmm. one kind of got back to street racing and a more underground setting. Fifth one, they made a heist movie straight out. They watched the Oceans movies, basically. I get the sense that this one, they watched the later Mission Impossible sequel and said, oh, we can do that. Let's do our own sort of spy slash adventure hybrid type of movie. Because they're not really stealing anything in this one. They're preventing stuff from being stolen. So they're... A lot more tech. Yeah, a lot more high tech. This is almost, Garrett, to to, do a point of comparison, this is the unofficial movie that Pierce Brosnan never got to make when he was James Bond. Oh, man, that's giving him pretty high praise in my eyes. It's also sad in a lot of ways. They said that... (laughs) (laughs) They said when this was coming out that they had the fifth and sixth one in mind when they were doing the fifth one. I got to say, to preview my thoughts, this shit seems like they made it up as they went along. Mm -hmm. I see the high tech stuff, and I get it. But man, I don't see anything being mapped out in this thing. Well, as the new trailer for Fast and Furious 9, which just dropped when this recording shows, I don't think they've ever had a plan. They literally make shit up as they go along. You know, and and there's even stuff in this movie where it's like, okay, wait a goddamn second. Oh, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, there's a ton of that stuff. (laughs) Saying that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can just look at their adherence to the timeline and trying to keep the timeline just to have it make sense, which I think is, I mentioned this in, in three, definitely mentioned it last week, but I, I think it was a mistake just trying to adhere to this fucking timeline, going back, you know, mm-hmm. doing a prequel and then trying to catch up to Tokyo. It's just so fucking stupid. Like nobody's paying that much attention to these movies. Just stop it. And then you guys watched the Fast 9 trailer? I have. Oh, I, I watched it about, let's see, oh, four or five times on a loop. I watched it twice oh, myself. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, So the timeline thing is completely unnecessary, as seen in the Fast 9 trailer. doesn't even matter. It's of no consequence. So I don't know why they spend so much time trying to uh, stay on course as far as that goes. It just It's fucking stupid. Speaking of, Garrett, your point of making it up as they go along, it was reported that Universal was going to do six and seven back to back. There would be a through line. And Diesel even went as far as to say, like, Fast Six is really part one of a two-part movie. <laughs> not, not enough. Like, this is how fucking... There's more horsepower in his ego than there is in some of these cars that they drive. Because they, they might as well have put Fast 6.5 or, or something. Because... This movie doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. It's a complete story. The only lead-in is the fucking stinger at the end of this movie, which yeah. we'll definitely talk about. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of talking about it, let's not waste any more time, boys, because we we get a lot of ground to cover on there this. There's so much yes. ground to cover in this. Let's just dig. Let's dig our heels in. So, I also love how this movie opens up with the logo for the property original film. That is the most ironic statement you could put in front of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> Because they are original, but only in their own sort of way that they don't have their own rules. They've thrown the rule belt out completely. They don't adhere to the rules of others. They are very much their own thing at this point. Yeah, you're not going to hear any argument from me. This thing is a creature of of its own making at this point. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a creature, but we open (laughs) up with the closest that this movie will get to street racing outside of the actual street race. You see two cars veering on this very narrow highway. It almost looks like the highway that Dr. Strange gets knocked off in his car accident. And we're reintroduced to Brian and Dom. If you recall, at the end of the last one, they sort of... You would think this would be an immediate mm-hmm. scene taking place directly after five, because that one ends with them challenging each other to a race, like, unofficially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when we get to the end of this scene, we know some time has passed based on where they're actually driving. Garrett... I had forgotten that Bad Boys for Life completely stole this opening. Yeah, they completely did. I was put in mind of uh, Rocky Three, where like the last movie ends on a cliffhanger, and you're <laughs> seeing this opening, and you're like, oh, how's this going to end? This is an opening street race. And yeah. I did think that was actually kind of clever, where they took it to a no, whole new place. But then again, once they get to the hospital, and Dom's like, once you walk in there, everything changes. I'm like, okay, dude, he's a dad. Like, <laughs> There's Dom doing that, as as Alex has brilliantly called him, Daddy Dom, yeah. just going into his whole spiel. But I, I thought yeah, the opening yeah. of going through and the way the credits opened, I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, I like these opening credits that we get after they get to the hospital and Mia's about to give birth. But if you notice, they only show scenes from 1, 4, and 5 based on yes. what I remember. So 2 and 3, even at this point, are looked at as, oh, those don't really matter, which makes the stinger at the end of this movie all the more humorous in hindsight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> I, I kind of like this opening montage of yeah. films, though. It, it's it, it's kind of cool. It, not that we need place setting for this, but, you know, it reacclimates us to the universe. It does, and it's also, it's also taken from a time that 
at one at two clicks of a mouse you can go to a movie and watch it right there on your laptop or on your phone whatever mm-hmm. uh this this takes you back to a time when you had to wait years and you had to see it on video and then go to the movie it took me back to that and mm-hmm. for that i actually kind of dug it yeah. i think it's also there to make you realize two things one Vin Diesel has hardly aged in the 12 years between one and six. <laughs> and Paul Walker had aged a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to be honest, I thought that this was going to be the only scene we got Paul Walker for. I thought this, this was going to be their way to write him out of the movie. Or huh. at least he wouldn't be involved in this one. He's not a kid. Like, why is he going to go on another mission? And then, I'm not going to say they do a great job of convincing me, but they contrive a reason for him to do it. You thought after this he'd be Daddy Walker and just not have any part of the rest of this movie. Well, I thought he'd be like the guy in the chair. He'd sort of be like what Tej does, where he's the uh, tech guy. Because okay. Or even Mia, where like, uh, spoiler alert for you, you're dinner Brewster fans. She gets one scene, and then she's the third act plot point that they all have to go save. <laughs> oh my god, don't even get me started on the women in this movie. To talk about the women in this movie is to talk about a huge, huge problem with it. All the women in this get this fucking shaft. Mm. Well, yeah. speaking, of, speaking of the shaft, that's what happened to the next scene when Hobbs gets out of this car and almost takes the door off the hinges. Because I swear to God, The Rock, by this point, could not put his arms down 100% as he's walking. I don't think it's physically possible Dude, at this point. That's what I was saying about Fast Five. I'm yeah. like, is it? Yeah, am I crazy or does this guy get yeah. bigger? And I don't know how that's fucking possible. Everything Alex <laughs> said last week came to mind as I was watching this. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. How big do you have to be? And according to Hugh Jackman, he took the same exact device from him. I guess him and Rock are pretty good friends. He took the same exact device when he was getting ready for the Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about The Rock in this because last week he was so fun. He was such a fun character. He, he really livened up a movie that needed it because mm-hmm. everybody else was so into themselves. And uh, every time he came on screen, give me the damn veggies. Like These are just very 80s but very fun lines delivered by him. This movie, he's another one. What the fuck did they do to this character? So we got some major things going on. And, oh, let me just go get the people who escaped me. This is so stupid. Alex, you know, you, me, and Matt, we've had a lot of drinks together. We have sure. both online and in person. Sure. All of us have shared shots, beers, mm-hmm. and we've had a lot at one Dirty point. Bears. I, <laughs> I have a feeling that this is literally the result of Chris Morgan, Justin Lin, and Vin Diesel sitting around drinking, maybe a little dope involved, and thinking, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be cool if? That's what this entire movie is, and it starts here by dumbing down this fucking character that I liked last week. Yeah, it just seems like they put everything into his lines, into his scenes. I mean, he shows up as a presence. He says all the right things. He's a badass. You know, he has a great fight with Dom. And when he shows up here, I don't like his introduction to this. And then I don't like his first meeting with Dom. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not to get too ahead of ourselves. Once again, if there's a new character involved... They can't be higher than Daddy Dom. They just can't. So, like, he shows up. The Rock, or, or yeah, Hobbs shows up to uh, Chateau Dom. And, you know, while Dom's all cooking and shit. It's fucking super. Uh. And, you know, they have a really bad exchange. And then he starts talking about, oh, you're going to you're gonna beg me to want to be on this job or whatever. But it's still just, we need you, Dom. I need mm-hmm. you. Uncle Hobbs needs you. I, we started calling him Uncle Hobbs during this uh because it's all family, right? So, you That's know, great. so Uncle Hobbs is in full force here, but because he has to adhere to fucking Daddy Dom. <laughs> they just make his character, while he gets physically bigger, his character gets smaller for some yes. reason. 
The only thing that shrunk one. is his screen time in this compared to the last one. But yeah. it doesn't start off that way because speaking of new characters, Elena is not with him this time. This time it's Gina Carano making her debut. He's getting some great movie. press lately, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah this, absolutely. This is perfect timing. I think this was the first thing I had seen her in. Uh, was... I'm not sure if Haywire had come out before this or not. Mm, but, right, right, right. You know, I, I think I mentioned this in the binge group. She's a local girl. She's, she's from Reno. And so when I was going to college and there would be like a fight or something or she would appear in something, there was always a huge three or four page story on her. And every single one of those interviews, I would read one or two things that I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, honey? Obviously, in the last few months, that's really come to fruition. But I had forgotten she was in this, too. Much like Gal Gadot, I, I, I'd completely forgotten she was here. Mm-hmm. The only one I really remember is a chick we'll talk about next week. But she's here. I, I don't know what else to say. There's a twist with her that makes zero sense. I really didn't think one way or the other with her. I'll take indifferent female side characters for 600 because she leaves no impression on me. As far as a positive or negative, she's just there up until the plot needs her to do something different. Yeah. And to justify the the villain plan, which, God, I know this is a dumb thing to say, but it makes no goddamn sense. (laughs) (laughs) For for numerous reasons. But Hobbs, they're tracking this guy named Owen Shaw, who's leading this group of high-tech mercenaries, stealing some kind of equipment, and they did an attack. So they've caught one of them. And Hobbs goes in there, jurisdiction, and rights be damned because he just beats the shit out of this guy. (laughs) And this is a huge thing with this movie. I want to talk about this right now. This movie is so many scenes of guys taking other people into rooms, asking, where's this? Where's that? Not getting an answer. And then being the fuck out of them until they finally get it up. Yeah. Yeah. That is just entire movie. (laughs) Yeah. There's a whole scene with the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. He walks in with this dude, and the way he's dressed, you're, I think you're supposed to think from afar that you're, it's actually Dom. Yep, yeah, he thinks it's Dom. Into. Yeah, he thinks it's Dom. He immediately picks him up and throws him against yes. the wall. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. After this was over, my wife turned to me and was like, you know, this movie is ten times more flyy than the other ones. Everybody flies in this movie. Yeah. Almost every character is flying for some reason. I mean, he tosses the one guy across the room. He's, fly, you know, I guess there's a bunch of wire work going on. I mean, it, we'll get to like the 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 big action scene mm-hmm. towards the end, but oh, there's just so much fucking flying in this. It's it's ridiculous, and maybe that's this is the Marvel effect. I don't know. Uh, well, speaking of flying, we then cut to Dom, who's with Elena now. <laughs> For for some reason, exactly, this completely tertiary character is now hooking up with the Godfather of this entire series just because she signed the contract, and they they feel obligated to put her in the movie because holy shit, this is the first movie in the series where I really feel like they are burdened with too many characters. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, and like you said, Matt, feeling the need to put those characters into the next movie. I mean, you could get rid of Gal Gadot. You could get rid of mm-hmm. Elena. I mean... Well, to be fair, they do. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's Not true. until the end. Do you guys know who Elena is, by the way? Some really hot She's chick. She's Chris Hemsworth's wife. Yeah. Oh, really? She's oh. Chris Hemsworth's wife. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know what that means? Fast 10, they're fighting Thor. 
Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> wouldn't shock me. Like, they're going into space. Asgard's next. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want this on the record now. April 14th, 2021. If that shit happens, I want my royalties. <laughs> I will personally call Mr. Kevin Feige and demand it over the phone that he will proceed to the mouse come to my house and slit my throat in the shower. Well, she's, she's another one. Like you said, Alex, she has no business being here because mm-hmm. once... Hobbs comes in, Uncle Hobbs, as you right, yeah. recall them. <laughs> Once Uncle Hobbs comes in, she says, Oh, if it were my husband, I'd want to go too. So you can go ahead and go, Oh my Dad, God, there's this. I, out of all of the nonsensical shit in this entire franchise and then this movie specifically, those lines with Elena talking about her husband, her husband was a very honorable man. He, he was on the police force. He was he was battling corruption. You know, he was the one innocent policeman on that force. And she's just like, ah, Daddy Dom, sure. Yeah, I'm going to completely throw out my entire moral integrity to sleep with Dom because I fucking have to. It's dumb. It's so fucking stupid. Especially, oh god, we'll, we'll get to her conversation with yeah. with a certain character later. But it, mm-hmm. it's just such dumb and piss poor writing. Speaking of piss poor writing, Hobbs shows up, <laughs> Uncle Hobbs, as you all mentioned, and tells him, "I'm not here at your front doorstep selling Girl Scout cookies. I'm here to offer you amnesty." And okay, here's the dumb part. Mm-hmm. Dom would probably say yes to amnesty and full pardons, even if he didn't drop the Letty bombshell. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, everybody comes back except for Eva Mendes. You would think she would mm. be in this fucking movie considering she brought that piece of evidence at the end of five. But Dom says, I got to get my crew together. And we're start of seeing everyone's what they're doing with their $10 million. So I, I like that they're at least following up on where we left all these people at the end of five. Tej is Captain America down south, just rewiring ATMs, which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> Roman's just being a swinger. Speaking of flying, he's up in a plane with a bunch of hotties. And Han is stuck with Gal Gadot's what an ass in the middle of, I don't know, somewhere oriental. All right. So they bring these guys back. I've said my piece on Gal Gadot. Go back and listen to those two podcasts. I don't have much to add to that till we get to the end of this film. Tyrese, I made a comparison while watching this movie. And Matt and Alex, see if you agree with this. Mm. Tyrese is the Jar Jar Binks of this franchise. Every time he talks... I want him to shut the fuck up every single time. Tonight. Yeah, and the film plays him, like you said, as a comedic relief. As a guy yeah. who's uh, he's the fast talking, you know, he charms everybody. And I know the joke is like, oh, he charms everybody, but it, it never works out or whatever. They're on the jet and, you know, they need to turn around for the mission. And he's like, I got you all vouchers. You know, they're buffet vouchers and this, this and that. It's just fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Every one of his lines is terrible. Tyrese is yeah. terrible. He's just a terrible actor. He has zero comedic delivery. It's just fucking awful. George Banks is an applicable comparison. The movie never justifies beyond, you know, the fifth one they brought him in just because Brian knew him. Right. At this mm-hmm. point, it'd be like, okay, you need more of a reason to loop all these people in to track down high-tech mercenaries. <laughs> and the movie tries to backpedal on that by acknowledging that they're, like, taking out drug dealers and right. Kingpin and Rio. Mm-hmm. Now we got to fight mercenaries. But apparently everybody else in this movie has extensive martial arts training are experts at driving to the point where they can keep up with these modified cars. And it makes Uncle Hobbs look like a moron. (laughs) He looks like a complete dick. Yeah, yeah, he does. (laughs) Once they're all back together, 
not quite because Dom Father has to convince Brian to come back. Yeah. You know, and he says, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse, basically, because he guilt trips him into saying, you got Lenny killed, quote unquote, so I need you to come with me. And it's so funny, 12 years later, watching Paul Walker act circles around Vin Diesel. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I never thought I would say that. Like, Paul Walker, I think he's gotten better with every movie. I think Vin Diesel's gotten worse by this point. He's falling in love with himself so much where he feels like he doesn't have to have as much dialogue as everybody. But when he does, it's going to be fucking poignant and it's going to be the best part of the movie. Like everyone's just hanging on his every word, even when he doesn't speak a lot. Uh huh. I think the reason being is I think Vin Diesel had gotten what he wanted at this point. Hadn't Riddick already come out or would that be That was later later this year. Later the same year. So he'd already gotten what he wanted. I think you guys are right. I think he's not really into this. He just wants he wants the paycheck. I, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think just getting these people together means that he can have a franchise on his shoulders. And yeah. I, I don't know if I'd say Paul Walker acts better than him. I don't think Paul Walker's any better here than he has been. And by the way, this is the last time we'll see him make it through an entire shoot on this series. I don't think he's any better or worse. In fact, I think what they do with him makes him even worse. Well, you would think that being the co-anchor of this series, he would not be as much of the background as he is in this one. And it's kind of surprising that, yeah, he's the co-star of the movie, but he's just as important as Tej and Roman, mm-hmm. and he's nowhere on Dom's level. Like, for the first time, Brian's treated exclusively as a peripheral character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once the gang's all here, I say gang like it's fucking Scooby-Doo, which it, which <laughs> it might as well be at this point. Let's be honest, if Freddy... And Daphne and Velma joined this crew. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Shaw is looking to pick up a couple of pieces of high-tech equipment that are designed to eventually block out basically their entire communication for 24 hours. So Garrett, he's basically after the GoldenEye satellite. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the comparison I made. That's right in my notes. So they set up this sting operation where they're going to catch him trying to go after Interpol. We then cut to the guy that was released and we get our first scene with Owen Shaw, played by the aforementioned Luke Evans, who by this point was still not really that well known, at least to me, because he'd be in The Hobbit later this year. Mm-hmm. He would be Dracula coming down the line. I thought he was the only good thing in the Beauty and the Beast remake. He's one of those actors I've always liked, and I think he, he's fine in this movie. You but do? with yeah, I honestly do. But my bar is not especially high for villains in this, in this series. <laughs> good point, good point. I don't know, man. Cole Hauser laughs at this guy's fucking charisma. I, every time this guy comes on screen, he walks around, he lo- he looms in, in the scene, and then he just kind of walks away. I didn't get anything out of this character or I, this actor. I, I, I think he does have good presence. I did like him in The Hobbit. You know, I, I don't like all those movies and i barely like yeah, the Hobbit, no shit but, i'm a, um, completely aware of this yeah <laughs> but i do like him on screen he's got a great look i think his his look fits a villain in this type of movie it's just that he's not really given a lot to work with i mean i don't really know much about his his other work all that much comes off well in the hobbit like i said but here i don't, I don't know if he's given all that much in the way that his brother i guess will be Given a lot more. Jeez. Yeah. I, I, I do like the way he looks as a villain. He's got that classic mustache and everything. So that means bad guy, right? <laughs> In this movie, it does. So he tells him, here's an advance for your share. The raid is on. And it turns out it's a setup, which right away should tell you off that B or A, Hobbs is a fucking moron and an incompetent cop for not realizing yeah. this. And B, yeah. it's obvious he's got someone on the inside. 
mm-hmm. to, to work around Interpol of all places. Like this is not robbing a bank. It's the equivalent of the logic in something like Skyfall where Sova lets himself get kidnapped mm-hmm. and then he can like shut down MI6 internally with the malware. At least I bought that in a way I don't buy it here because these movies, this one in particular, plays so loose with everything it does that I can see the pieces of the script falling on the floor as they're shooting. Mm-hmm. But that notwithstanding, this is a pretty badass chase scene, though. I, I'm not going to lie. I have some negative complaints about this movie. The action scenes are really not one of them. Whoa, whoa. I got to call a halt to that. These all seem like the one thing that came to mind was Dark Knight. They seem like Dark Knight ripoffs because they're hmm. taking place at night. I didn't get anything out of these action scenes. And that was the one thing that I felt was unassailable in this series. I think Justin Lin just, I don't know where he is in this, man. I think he's hes feeding egos in this, and I don't think he's paying attention to what he's doing. And I do know, we didn't even cover this at the beginning of this podcast, Matt, but this is his last one until this new one that we have coming out. I don't think his head's in this. I'm not into these action scenes at all, beginning with this one. I do, I, I will say, I do like Shaw's escape. When he's leaving, he hits the button, and everything behind him is all those the, the parking structure uh, yeah. collapses. Yeah. So I like it's that like part. Yeah, yeah, the, the, it caves in, which gives him a good escape. And I, I like the vehicle he's in. I think that's a a cool thing oh, to the, bring yeah. to the franchise. Other than that, I agree with you, Garrett. Until Hob, is it this scene where Hobbs makes that fucking <laughs> makes a crazy jump? Doesn't he from like one no, level? That's, of, that's oh, later. That's right. Yeah. No, because he's on top and he says, cover me. Yeah, that's it. Yep. On yep. They're basically modified Formula One cars. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have like armor all around them or something. And to be perfectly honest, when they put those little EMP blasters on the cars, mm-hmm. if you wanted to off Roman or Tej right here, I would have been okay with it because I think killing off a couple of your characters would at least add some more stakes to this movie. I'll Absolutely. say, yeah, I mean, they include these EMPs. What are those hockey pucks? <sighs> and it's like, why are we. Why was that written as a funny line? Why are we supposed to be laughing at that? It's just fucking stupid. It's just it really bad. Like yeah. I how are they not dead? Because those cars flip yeah. 80 times. Yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, it, they're introdu- the movie's introducing all this high-tech stuff, and then they're just fucking talking on 1985 walkie-talkies. <laughs> while the other bad guys have, like, fucking headsets. <laughs> Again, this is a Fast and Furious movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. Not looking for things to make sense at all. We always got to make that disclaimer. <laughs> uh, but also, it, it bears repeating every retrospective we do for this. Love nitpicking. Love nitpicking this franchise. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, you love this movie then. <laughs> well, let, let's not forget that in the scene Alex talked about where Hobbs jumps off onto that vehicle, that car should have been fucking gone by the time he hit the ground. He should have just smacked into the pavement and been mm-hmm. like, a splat on the side of the road, but fuck me, right? <laughs> physics be damned. Yeah, physics be damned. I mean, if they're going along with it and how fucking huge he is, he could have kept on going through every layer of concrete all the way down to fucking yeah, Dante's Inferno. The center of the earth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he hits Hollow Earth. That's the only thing that's missing in these movies is fucking Godzilla. Or <laughs> and that would be like the fifth most ridiculous thing in this franchise. Right. So speaking of absurdity, we're reintroduced to Letty and uh, we think they're going to hug and she just shoots some cold point blank in the shoulder. <laughs> but because he's because he's super dumb, he just walks it off. Sure. Oh my and god! To be fair, right, he Letty. took bullets in the fourth one with the leather jacket that blocks all yeah. bullets apparently. So 
Letty. Apparently, All Letty's right. got amnesia. Yes. All right. Ugh. Time out. Stop. Stop. I mentioned last week the only thing I remembered about this movie was mm-hmm. the tank. That's the only thing I remembered until yes. Letty comes out with amnesia. And then all of my feelings about this movie came right back. Why not make Letty the super bad of this movie? One thing you learn in screenwriting courses is no matter what subplots you have, there needs to be one through line that connects them all together. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet that Chris Morgan did not attend one fucking screenwriting course <laughs> because all his scripts for this franchise, even that third one, have been preposterous. But no subplot have I ever seen in this franchise has ever been as stupid or convenient as Letty having amnesia. It's unforgivable. I mean, this is... This yeah. is- Daytime soap opera. Yes. General yeah, hospital I, I, bullshit. Yeah, I put in my notes. He watched an episode of fucking Melrose Place and just put it in. There you go. Like, everyone involved in this franchise deemed it necessary because it leads to some spectacular action scenes with Letty fighting on the side of Daddy Dom because we need her back on that good side. No, we fucking don't. Make her the big bad. Mm-hmm. This is so fucking stupid. Everything flooded back as soon as this is revealed. Or you do the logical thing and just keep her dead. Yeah, that, that, yeah. True. Sure. Yeah. There was no reason for her to come back outside of she wanted to clean up her image. Uh, and I'm sure yeah. the producers want her back. Yeah. And also, you know, this if you want to introduce another daytime soap opera staple, uh, make her the evil twin sister. There you oh, go. Oh, God. That would, be, <laughs> I would have been badass, actually. I would throw my hands yeah. up and be like, all right, you win. Yeah. Absolutely. There was more thought put into what you just said, Alex, and what they do with her in this movie. And they just create so many problems for themselves with the amnesia. Now, the one thing I will say about the amnesia that I think is slightly interesting is that this has a ton of holes in it. So I don't I'm just grasping at straws here. But Shaw's whole method of no, let's she has amnesia. Fucking keep her. That whole fucking scene, by the way, is awful. But uh, she's the perfect accomplice because she has no memory so she has no past she's basically a, basically a, a a blank slate he could use her and mold her for either a fall person or mold her into the exact soldier that he needs her to be kind of mm. interesting that i mean yeah but also i'm reaching way further than i think chris morgan even did yeah you could have just made her the winter soldier <laughs> yeah yeah or done, done something with her i mean what they do with her is just to get her and dom back together like i said but it's just way too fucking convenient and it belongs on daytime fucking soap operas it doesn't belong in a big massive franchise like this after shaw escapes the gang comes back together at hobbs's hideout and we get the line that vin diesel mumbles i put on the subtitles we go to the back which is going to be very interesting <laughs> considering this new one has a brother that we have never fucking heard about like, speaking of not thinking shit out, like, they, the guy who's all about family above all else, even mm-hmm. he's full of shit, like these writers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, God. Once they all are reconvened, we cut back to Shaw. He's got his own crew. Much like Dom, he believes in ethnic diversity because I think he's got every base covered in his crew. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And very much like Dom, he passes out, like, the dossiers of each <laughs> member of Dom's crew. Again, it's yet another half-ass fucking subplot. They do nothing with this. It's kind of cool to have the bad version of Dom's team, but they do nothing with it. No, absolutely. Yeah, that, that'd be really cool. Make him the opposite of Dom. What is funny, though, is that they have a screenshot of the first movie from <laughs> nobody was there to fucking take. 
Ah, I love. I am such a sucker for films that are in a franchise that do flashbacks and they they just play the other movie. Or this is a perfect example of like this is something that happened in the past and then they just pass over a photo of of the last movie. Or they, I'm a sucker for that. Oh, that shit makes me laugh so much. Speaking of confusing, we cut back and dominated crew. They're talking about what their next step should be. And they mentioned that these cars are basically glorified Batmobiles that have been modified. We got to track down where we can get these cars. We got to track down who's selling the bullets. So here, speaking of Scooby-Doo, everyone split up and look for clues. Dom yeah. and I are going to go upstairs. <laughs> yeah, it's literally a fucking Three Stooges thing. All right, spread out. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, the one thing I will give this is that at least they're breaking up the group, and it feels like everyone has something to do, if only for 10 minutes. But it does make everyone at least kind of seem important, instead of just following Dom in every scene that he's in. You got Han, Giselle, Gina Carano, and Tyrese. I love how some of them I call them by their character names, some of them by their real names. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah, totally, memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Tells you what I think of certain characters. Sure. <laughs> so two women kind of hustle this arms dealer who's got, I do love the line where he's like, is he hunting Moby Dick with those giant like harpoon guns? And, and you Garrett, like that, that line. See, you la- you sounds like, Matt, it sounds like you're having a better time with this than me and Alex are. Are you having a good time at this point? We're, oh, what are we about? Now? Right. We're I'm, I'm having a great time with this movie, oh. but I'm not, oh. I can't take it seriously. If this was a soap opera, it would be as the wheel turns. Like that, <laughs> that's what you should call this movie. <laughs> We got Tej and Hobbs, which I want to spin off with just the two of them hustling this. Uh... No. <laughs> I love, that's going to be this whole conversation, just me saying something here and just going, no. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> you didn't like the scene where they, where they make that guy strip down and walk out? No. They, they thought, no. It, it felt privilege. Michael Bay-ish. It felt like something Michael Bay would do in Transformers. Yeah. I can see it that. Just, it didn't work for me at all. It felt, it felt too juvenile. Well, the difference is the black characters are not the ones getting humiliated. If it was a Michael <laughs> Bay movie, that's what it would be. That's a good point. <laughs> John Turturro would like a word with you, sir. Uh, it's, all right. Half point. Five points to Gryffindor. We'll discuss this later. <laughs> so as they're interrogating Shaw's contact, Shaw and his crew come in. Guns a-blazing. They take down this blonde-haired guy. And we find out that, speaking of them being so high in their own bullshit, we're going to tie it back to the fourth one because he mentions the name Braga on the cell phone. <sighs> Bring this guy back, too. Why not? Yeah, he was such a great was villain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring him back. And they bring Shea Wiggum back also, which I, I yep. love that character actor. He's one of my fucking favorites. I love seeing this guy in every movie. But they bring him back to be a a, uh, a foil for not, – not so much of a foil. I, I mean just a literal punching, punching bag, bag, I guess, for Brian. This scene is so fucking stupid. Like I said, Brian has nothing good to do in this movie. So because Brog is involved and he's still in prison, they got to figure out a way to get into prison. <laughs> But rather than use Hobbs' contacts at the DSS, which surely could have gotten them access to Braga, they contrive a way for Brian to go to prison in one of the worst cliches in movie history. We have to send Holy the good guy to fuck. prison to get information from the bad guy. And then the bad guy, he's like, well, you're going to die anyway, so let me just give you all of my secrets. All right, so the problem with this, I know we're jumping. This scene doesn't happen for like another 15 minutes. Yeah, it's that scene also is, yeah. it doesn't tell you anything that Brian doesn't already know. Sure. No. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason so, for him so to do So it's a this. giant waste of time. Yes. 
But before we get there, because, sorry, listeners, we're playing with our own timeline, much like these fucking movies do. <laughs> Prior to this, you got sort of some fisticuffs breaking out. You got Gina Carano fighting Letty mm-hmm. in the subway. And then you got Han and Roman fighting one of Shaw's henchmen. And I love how, finally, we have a movie where the Asian guy, the good guy, doesn't know kung fu and gets his ass kicked. I... The other Asian guy. <laughs> <laughs> the one instance in which... Tyrese made me laugh is the line, yeah, nobody needs to know about this. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the part where he's like, all right, I'm done. Just yeah. call it a day. <laughs> yeah. And also, Only- no cop. They knock out three cops. And apparently that's all the cops in that precinct because nobody else shows up for, for the five minutes that this fight scene's going on. Mm-hmm. And much like Skyfall, the quote unquote villain gets away on a subway train or uses a subway train to get away. Let's not forget, this was about six months after Skyfall. Mm-hmm. So while I said I'm, I'm having a good time, boys, this is by far, even within the confines of this franchise, and I, I'm sick of using that disclaimer, this is the most thinly constructed plot of any of these movies by a pretty sizable margin. Thinly is being complimentary. It has been real no kind. plot here. It is so fucking thrown together. This movie is a fucking jumbled mess when it comes to narrative. And I I know I've said that for a lot of these movies, but this is the worst. And there's no fucking excuse for it. It's not like this was a troubled production. It's not like we had anything really going on here that threw anything off. This is just a bunch of fuckers with egos out of control doing what they want. And Justin Lin just saying action. And that's it. There's no construction here. There's no narrative. There's a $160 million budget. Or two, there's a hundred million dollar variance between the, the, the yes. high and the low. Why not hire hire one more writer? Fuck it, hire yes. two more writers. Put something together here because take the, the problem. Yes. I was just after last week. All right, I had spurts of fun last week, and there was such a great action scene in the fourth one. Yeah, I didn't end up really liking that one, but I, I love the beginning of it. There's nothing here that I can grasp onto except a little bit of that beginning. But at this point, what are we halfway in? I'm bored as fuck. I, I already want it to end. I, I'm so done with this movie already. When they put Brian in this prison for no fucking reason, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? The, well, the well, this, le- is by, this is by far the, the worst sequence in the whole movie, as far as being. A waste of time. It's also completely inconsequential. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the anchor for that is, I think it's Letty. This is the big reason why the audience is connected to this franchise is because, oh shit, Letty, Dom, you know, this is a big fucking reveal. We haven't seen her in two movies. This is a big deal. And it makes no fucking sense. It makes no, like, oh, we'll just give her amnesia. All right, cool. Somebody greenlit that. Yeah. How did she survive that car explosion? Don't ask yes. me. She fell She fell down a cliff. She stopped, dropped, and rolled, and that made it okay. Oh, my God. When they rehash this scene, what is this? This is the Spider-Man 3 syndrome, right? We're just going to change the history here. So go over this, Matt. So what, they shot the car to make it look like she died, even though she could have burns from it? Like, this right. Is- yeah. That fall wouldn't cause amnesia. That would call, what's the word I'm looking for? Death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be fucking dead like let alone, let alone amnesia uh-huh. but but garrett i'm starting to understand the whole script problem of this because you're right the, the more we're talking about it take half a fucking second to go back to the previous movies and make some kind of narrative thread mm-hmm. but they they don't why didn't we spend so much fucking time with dom determining he basically ichabod cranes this whole fucking thing in fast from fast four Mm-hmm. by going to the crime scene and figuring out what the fuck happened. We spent so much time in that scene, and then that's not even what it was. It's not <laughs> even what happened. God fucking damn it. It's making me angry now. So fucking enraging. 
I, I can't say uh, I'm mad. Just I, I think this is unforgivably sloppy in certain areas. The, the biggest problem when you look at this plot is we know what the bad guys want with the three pieces that they need, mm-hmm. but we don't know their end game. They assume they're going to sell it to the highest bidder. We're not even going to find out the full story of this until we get to eight. So pocket that. But when you don't know what the ultimate driving wow. force is, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, you're left with just dead air. Everything feels like it has no weight or context to it. That's a really good point, Matt, because I watched this, I think, three times. And if you put a fucking gun to my head, I couldn't tell you what the whole point of Luke Evans' endgame is. Because I don't know. I can do that for all the movies prior to this. I would need a gun to my head because, you know, I'm I'm good under pressure. Whatever. That's just me. (laughs) But this one in particular is a bit rough. Yeah. And then... When we go send Brian to prison, of course he's able to fight three guys on one because he's the good guy. He yeah. wins the sh- he wins the shank fight, yes, he no does. problem. Because even in prison, the Dom father passed on to his concierge Brian O'Connor to survive in prison. Right. Oh, God, just this whole thing is so superfluous, and it's just oh, God, it's so bad, it's so fucking mm-hmm. bad. So once Brian's out of jail, and that's twenty four hours that this series will never get back for those confines. <laughs> Let's remember that Han's in the movie and he tells Dom, hey, oh, yeah. because this is a Fast and Furious movie, there's a race happening in the middle of London. You should go. <laughs> and I swear to Christ, the editing in this scene is completely inconsistent with the rest of the movie. Like, I swear these are just deleted scenes from another movie that they just put into this movie mm-hmm. with the chicks in skirts and quick cuts to the cars. Like, this, the editing is not consistent with anything that's come before it. Like, it's an entirely different movie for the next 10 minutes. Matt, can I tell you something that is consistent? At least I'm with. Sure I want to know, but go at, ahead. At least with the last movie. This is London, baby. Ooh. London's known for its. Dangerous street racing. Alex, call Nathan. We need a live discussion on the, the world of underground street racing. I would love to. He's racing, though. <laughs> Nate's going to listen to this and be like, I am so fucking over this. So, Dom, sure enough, Letty's there. The two of them race. And it's obvious that, oh, God, th- th- this might be the worst scene of the whole movie, which just the two of them, and he's explaining, oh, it's the scene from Jaws. I got this scar for two of this. Oh, yeah. I got uh-huh. one to match. I got, that's oh, so fucking bad. I don't know, man. That's a pretty big horse race to say this is the worst scene of the movie. I, <laughs> I said maybe. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, boys, you know, just to give a little peek behind the curtain, we record these in advance, and it's been three weeks since we did the last one. And I watched this maybe two days after we recorded the last film. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, okay, it's been three weeks. Uh, let me get a re And then I thought, no, <laughs> I have enough notes to last me. No desire to go back to this because it was just painful to get through this movie. It took two settings the first time to get through it. We'll, we'll get into that one once we get to it. But I, I was so checked out of this movie, boys. I gotta say, this was painful for me. Yeah, it's this has some really rough beats. One of the things that my wife brings up with, with these movies is, especially the races and the later ones, the later films is, how do they know when the race ends? Because like you, <laughs> you, you never know. <laughs> they just end up at a, like a rendezvous spot and just start talking in like the last couple of movies. <laughs> Matt, the comparison I made, you know, considering this was less Justin Lin's last movie at this point, I made the comparison this was Justin Lin's Crimes of Grindelwald because nothing in this movie fucking makes any bit of sense. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, because I, I I like to do this, I peek behind the wall here. I like to scrub through the film as we're talking about these movies 
So if we get a little too deep in the weeds or I bring up something, it's because I'm watching it along as we're talking about it. Uh, uh, during the race, Dom drives backwards. <laughs> Dom drives fucking in reverse and is still keeping up with Letty the entire time. It's so fucking stupid. And she's just like, oh, he's so crazy. You know what the dude bros will tell you, right? Mm. What's that? Yeah, because Nos. Oh. oh, God. How can I forget? <laughs> That, you know, it's the father and the son and the holy Nas. And the holy Nas, like, yeah, that's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> to, to go back to the uh, conversation that these two have where they're um, trading mm-hmm. Jaws stories, he is, quote-unquote, just meeting her for the first time, basically. She has amnesia. She has no idea who this is. She's just like, all right, so, you know, she may be attracted to him. I mean, who isn't at this point? But she's just like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he's, like, grabbing her hips and, like, pulling the like her pants a little bit down to look at fucking scars and shit it's a bit creepy yeah her circle of trust is very wide (laughs) you could drive a tank through it and that tank is dom you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) are we to that scene yet by the way yes we are now we've been talking about it for five minutes (laughs) yes (laughs) all right why garrett were you going to comment on uh the wonderful acting between these two and the quick chemistry that just jumped oh sorry no we're not there yet we're not oh we're not there yet okay I thought you meant the tank is, that is Dom, but, no. my, but my bad. <laughs> yeah, th- this conversation is about as form-fitting as the script, so yeah, let's keep it going. <laughs> and because this movie is chock-full of 80s cliches, like we got good guys going to jail, we got one good guy turns against the team, we got the hero and the villain posturing 20 feet apart and just talking to each other. <laughs> of course. Because Shaw happened to be there, and Hobbs happens to have a gun on him 100 yards away. Why not just shoot him? Yes. Like, it's, it's not a case of jurisdiction or being in someone else's territory. I'm pretty sure you have the protocol to take him down. Yeah, you're both criminals. Shoot the fucking guy. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with the Letty fucking scene. With the, with the, uh, the fucking previously on other Fast and, <laughs> Fast and Furious franchise movies. That guy that was aiming at Letty, just fucking shoot her. What the, what's the whole point of just shooting the car so it blows up? Ah, oh, goddamn, it's so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. So Shaw basically tells him, you go home and leave me alone. I won't kill you. And he does mention his brother. I do like how it doesn't come completely out of nowhere. Because let's not forget, everybody's going to have family, not just the good guys. Mm-hmm. And as Hobbs comes up to basically comfort Dom, I can feel the animosity between these two guys clear as fucking day. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of animosity, dude... Wear a shirt that fits and is not constricting your torso. You don't need to show off. Everybody knows what you fucking look like. You talking about Hobbs at this point? Yeah. Dude, there's no shirt that fits him. I mean, this guy, he's fucking massive. He's a house, yeah. Also, that's interesting that that was a comment and coming from the gay member of the Binge Media family where you're just like, Yeah. yeah, you know what? We got it. We got it. We don't need it. Yeah. Well, even with me, there comes a point where it's like, tone it down a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do love how they call him out on his shit later on when his phone rings. It says Samoan Thor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's your there's your Chris Hemsworth reference right there. Right. <laughs> there oh, go. oh god. Oh god. They planted the seeds already. What what <laughs> hell? Have we well, I, I I say that because it's true. Justin Lin did say, you know, that's kind of a reference to the fact that. The chick who plays Elena is married to Chris Hemsworth. That's cool. Were they married at the time? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's that scene with Cara Dune and Uncle Hobbs where they basically pull a Dom from Fast Four 
where he's like, oh, no, there's something here. And he finds the one thing in this fucking warehouse. Oh, the paint? Yeah, that he picks up with the knife. I was just about to get to that scene. Oh, my bad. Well, your bad should be telling that to the people who left that paint box. Because, like, <laughs> so so they go, they go to the warehouse where they assume Shaw is. Tej tells them, oh, yeah, it's right there. So Hobbs and... Cara Dune. I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, for the life of me, can't remember what her character's name is in this movie. Is it Ray? No, not Reyes. I don't fucking know. So you think you've got Shaw and only two of you walk in there, even though knowing he's got like eight people working with him. It's the one paint blotch in this entire fucking building. He's got Batman detective mode on mm-hmm. to identify it. So he calls Tej with the Samoan Thor line and we get my favorite continuity error in this entire movie. Oh. If you notice, Hobbs does not have a goatee in the scenes where he's driving the car talking to Tetch. Even though he has a goatee for the rest of the entire Whoa. movie. Whoa. I never noticed that. Really? I usually pick up on stuff like that. I didn't catch that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, that was a reshoot. Holy shit. So You're totally forget. right. Yeah. Let's not forget, The Rock had three movies in the first six months of 2013. Yeah, that's right. He had G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. which less said about that, the better. He had Pain and Gain, and he had this. So you had multiple chances to get your fill of the rock. I, I think he got so angry, and I think his just fucking hair fell out in his face. <laughs> be honest, with you. maybe he's just so frustrated he just rubbed it off with his hands. Who knows? He was just a sharpie at this point. Yeah, it's yet another stupid continuity. How would you not catch that? Right. So he tells him, "Get ready to make a move on Shaw." Eventually, we get another heart to heart between Brian and Dom, where Brian basically says, "I wasted my fucking time going to L.A." <laughs> Is it just me, or do the? And I guess you could say that about this entire movie. But do the <laughs> one-on-ones with Brian and Dom just not have any weight this time? I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm just not into the plot of this movie. I just don't care. But the worst you could say about those other scenes was uh, they were just kind of there. But here, like, I don't feel like there's anything going on between these two. I think the one thing that they're paying attention to, weirdly enough, is that the audience is expecting the Dom and Brian moments because that's how this whole shebang started. And how's it going to end? On a bridge. Or so we think, because we got another 45 minutes left of this movie. Hard to believe. This uh, I don't fucking know movie. movie. It's so yeah. long. This movie has one, two climaxes too fucking many. I thought for sure after we get past the tank that was like, okay, we're going to wind down. We still have another fucking 45 minutes left. It's insane. And I, and I do know that Justin Lin, he left this franchise after this movie. And he said that he just wanted to put all, everything he had in one basket. He was just like, I'm going to do this, I want to do this, I want to do everything I had in vision. So I do know like, we're going to get an airplane scene here in a little bit. All of this, he had in his mind that he wanted to do for this movie. But you save this shit for the next movie. This is way too fucking long. I think his foot was already out the door because I think he had already booked Star Trek. Yeah, probably. Or was pretty close to it. So the team gets ready to make a move on Shaw in the middle of... This is the one action scene that takes place during the day. So at least we got one. Or I should say the one big one. So we had a whole... High-tech criminal going after this convoy, and there's only two trucks for backup. Interpol should be ashamed of themselves. Like, you deserve <laughs> to have this shit happen to you. Seriously. So they're all driving. They get in the convoy, and it turns out that they steal a tank. And to be fair, Ludacris gets the best line in the movie where he's like, uh, guys, they got a tank. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that was in the trailer, if, if, if I remember. Um, yeah. It's definitely yeah. a uh, Lord of the Rings line. They've got a cave troll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So th- this is where the movie gets insane. Literally, cars are weaving in and out of traffic like it's no big deal, even though there's a giant fucking tank on the other side of the interstate. 
God knows how many people get killed. Like, I'm pretty sure more people die in this scene than when Sokovia gets blown to shit in Age of Ultron. All these deaths, not a single casualty from the team. Even though they're clearly setting it up for Roman to die, even though he jumps out of his car into Brian's car, and he's completely fine. So much flying. God, I hate this. I hate this. They're using the car to break the fall. How fucking <laughs> stupid and lazy can you get? Oh, like, so dumb. This is super dumb. This is like... Yes. This, well, oh, I, well I save this. super dumb for another, I don't know, 110 seconds. I know. <laughs> I, I, I just hate this. I hate how they like they land on the car and they're A-OK. And I know we're, we're completely nitpicking this, but at this point, there are points in the previously in the franchise where this stuff happens and I went with it because I was having a good time. I'm not sure. having a good time at this point. So this stuff really irks me. And when I see Ego like this, where these guys land right on this car up oh, we're okay yeah also the 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 roman thing where he's like i got a tank on my ass it's like are we supposed to believe that either the car is riding that slow or the tank is riding that fast to be right up on the bumper of his car mm-hmm. it's just fucking yeah. dumb and then it goes on for way too long too mm-hmm. well speaking of physics apparently i learned something new when I rewatched this movie. What's that? The weight of a Mustang is enough to impede a tank. Enough to where it almost falls off the side of a bridge. Well, we all know that. I mean, Anyone who took physics knows that. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a Ford factory. I guess I know that. that, that you know, that's up to me, though. You know? It's a little biased there. Well, I also took class in aerodynamics. And I learned that if you jump out of a car at, I don't know, 110 miles an hour and catch someone midair <laughs> and land and land on another car, your combined force will break the fall when you hit the dashboard of another person's car. Yeah. As Super Dom Christ. makes his appearance. And this is a, Garrett, this is one of those Pierce Brosnan, James Bond superhero moments. And this is, to be honest, I can tolerate a lot of shit. This is the moment that breaks me in this movie where I lose it completely. In five there's the dumb part where they hit the water at that speed. Yes. And they're totally fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's dumb, but it's the first 20, 25 minutes of the movie. You're just going to go with it. I can't go with this because now I don't feel for them as people anymore either. Cause I've realized no. the amnesia storyline has been played out. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's like nothing works. No. And all the drama of this movie has been taken out because like I said, I don't have anything excited by the action scenes in this either everything I, i'm so worn out from this movie at this point worn out say that that's a, a really good way to describe it because the ridiculousness of it all is probably i don't know for me probably half good but where it's acceptable i mean okay. the the dom and letty mid midair collision slash uh saving and then he fucking braces his fall with his back on a windshield okay <laughs> That, but that was my reaction, Matt. Is like we were just laughing our fucking balls off where we had to go back and watch that another two or three times because of how fucking dumb it is. Yeah. And again, we understand the universe we're in, but even for the universe we're in, that is an incredibly fucking bad. It's just it's bad. A, yeah, it's inexcusable. Well, it, it's so lazy. As you guys, as you guys know, because you guys are both older than I am, I thought you guys would know that a car is the greatest chiropractor in the world. <laughs> It's true. It's true. 
You know, I've been I've learned I've... so much from these movies. Once I hit forty, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and you mean forty miles an hour, right? You mean? <laughs> Oh no, that that just that just gets a nick in your back out. Like I'm talking about like a full fledged therapeutic session. So yeah, by this point, the, the movie's really lost me, and I hate saying that considering how much I really like four and five. So they get back to the group, and Interpol's pissed, even though it's their own fucking fault because they're all a bunch of morons in this universe. So they're all like, "Okay, we've caught Shaw, but much like Skyfall." The bad guy let himself get caught so he could have this big reveal where Gina Carano is revealed to be his undercover mole. Stupid. It's just mm-hmm. it's just dumb. It comes from fucking nowhere. It feels like it was made up on set. This girl has had hardly any thing. She she had less to say in this movie than Elena did last mm-hmm. week. And now all of a sudden she's been working for them the entire time. No. Yeah, just no is the right word. And the bad guys are now in the open. Just shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> right. But no, they let him walk out because we find out that Owen ha- uh, Owen has kidnapped Mia to be the damsel in distress for the third act of this movie. Yep. All the women in this movie are just cogs in the masculine machine. Mm-hmm. They're just, like you said, I, I said in the beginning of this movie, to talk about the, the women in this movie is to really talk about a big flaw with it. And there are many, as we've discussed, but what they've done with these women in this is inexcusable. Yeah, it's awful. Speaking of inexcusable. We get the climax, the real climax of the movie on the squad fight. I have two major problems with this sequence. Number one, it's dark. It's yep. kind of hard to, to make out what's happening. And two, this runway is apparently 30 miles long. Well, it doesn't fucking end. Yeah, they did say that they did film it on like the longest runway in the world, I think is what they said. So oh. you're not wrong about that. But it, it goes hand in hand with this movie because this is like the longest fucking movie I've had to sit through for in many years, probably since Revenge of the Fallen, have I not wanted a movie to end so fucking badly. And at this point, like, I don't think it's that bad. I do, Matt. I, like I said, I've been worn out at this point. I've been beat down and they've added another 20 minute action scene here. And I'm like, I'm done with it. We're going to talk about a death here in a little bit that I could give two shits about. Right. Just get me out of this movie. And like, how long does this plane taxi or just gear up, not taxi, but like gear up for fucking liftoff, you know, yeah. that, which goes to the point of the, of the long runway. But I mean, I don't think a plane, I don't, I'm not a pilot, at least not in this life, but like, I'm not a pilot. So I don't, I don't think you need 30 miles of fucking runway in order to fucking take mm-hmm. off. It's so stupid. No. And they're like, oh no, there's too much weight. Really? From three cars that drove into the back of your car. <laughs> Good God. So you do get some, everyone's kind of doing different stuff. Tej and Roman and Hannah Giselle are on the sides trying to harpoon. You got The Rock and Vin Diesel doing fisticuffs, including they hit Owen Shaw with a fucking doomsday device where he's got him up on his shoulders. <laughs> and The Rock just clotheslines him. and couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I do love Garrett. Years ago, I think the very first thing you and I did together was an interview with Kat Shea. Yes. And when Michelle Rodriguez shoots her with the harpoon gun, all I can think of is the rage carry too. That's really where my brain went, but I, I laugh. But th- uh-huh. this, the, the fisticuffs are, are good. You know, Lin's, he's competent with the fight scenes. But the yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that I'm supposed to care about Giselle dying is, no. is the, the most laughable, one of the most laughable things in this entire movie. Because, like, she's the only character that, she's not part of the family. She's there by association. Mm-hmm. Not because Dom yeah. actually likes her. Had she gotten Wonder Woman at this point? 
No, this that was like four years down the line, five years down the line. Well, huh? no, it would have been Man of Steel hadn't come out yet, but yeah, her casting would have been within the draft of this or so. Hmm. But you know what? I don't think it would be a surprise if I were to see her in the movie that we're going to watch to end off this retrospective. I don't think anything is off limits in this movie. And yeah, she had Wonder Woman come out earlier this year, but this felt like just a way to get her out of here. And uh, I just, I didn't care. I didn't care. They, they, he played off Han losing her as being this huge moment, and it felt like nothing. Speaking of nothing, I love how Dom just throws Shaw out of the back of the plane and... We're going to find out he survives this, apparently. Not, not to get too far ahead, but I also love when it, the plane blows up and everyone's like, oh no, Dom's dead. And then they cut and you see this figure walking out. I wish they cut and it turns out Dom has been a Terminator this whole time. And his, <laughs> and, and his endoskeleton is the only thing that's showing. His one eye glows red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a skeleton. Like, you know, at the end of the first Terminator when the tanker blows up and then yeah, yeah. sheds his yeah. skin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. wanted that gotcha. to happen. But he's okay and the gang's all here. Hey, we'll pour one out for Giselle, but fuck it. We won. Oh, dude, this is fucking hilarious. This is so... Again, the the I think what we're looking for is the the, the lack of attention to detail for connective threads, Garrett, and, and throughout this entire fucking series, especially in the later movies. Fucking Dom shows up. He's like, yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, Dad's back, great. And then you they just cut to Han, and he's just like, well, is Giselle? Did Giselle come back? Or it's like, oh no, like nobody gives a fucking shit about her. We all care about Dad being back. Even Uncle Hobbs is like, yeah, Dom's back, great. It's so fucking dumb. Yeah, that's right. They don't even mention her, do they? They don't. No, I mean they do at the fucking at, at the cookout, but that that's pretty yeah. much it. And they don't even mention her. He he. Han is just like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go to Tokyo, and they're like, we got your back, dog. And like, all right, cool. Yeah. He's only been saying he's well, gonna go to Tokyo for the last three fucking movies. Like, yeah. And they're like, we got your back. And then we see that they don't have his back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're here for you, but only here in the States. So speaking of the aforementioned barbecue, Dom says, all right, 1927. He buys his old house. He's got his freedom. And nice little reprieve of the first movie where the gang's all together with barbecue. Family's a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Hobbs and Elena come up. And there's a genuine moment where Ludacris does a spit take from an improvised line about Roman's forehead. That was a genuine reaction he was not expecting when they kept that take. Oh, okay. Hobbs tells him their records are clean. He's like, I'll be seeing you. And we get, speaking of bad scenes, Elena and Letty. Oh, my and God. I fucking, Garrett, oh. I know you've been waiting for this. So the floor is yours. The floor is no, yours. No, no, I actually forgot about this. Oh, this fucking scene is unbelievably bad. It's basically two women being like, should we be a thruple? I don't know. We might have to be a thruple here because Elena is like, oh, he's a good guy. And then she's like, and then Letty's like, yeah, he's a good guy. It's like, take care of him. Oh, I will. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. It's so fucking horrible. Why does Dom have to get all of us? Hey, what the fuck? Nobody acts like this. Like, well, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> good point. What'd you no, say? Absolutely. Because Brian's already taken. You can't fuck Brian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, since the beginning of this movie, by the way, we haven't even mentioned Mia. I mean, what's the mention? mention? She gets kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, gets yeah. Kidnapped. There, yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, can you enlighten us on maybe the timeline? Because I don't understand this. So, the the house, which we know from the first film, doesn't show up in four, I believe. No, it does. It does because after the funeral, 
Mia's living there. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. God, see, it, it's so... Uh, so un- I guess they, un- they, could go, they could go home, but I assume some point when Mia goes with them at the uh-huh. end of four, uh-huh. she basically gave up the house and then the cops locked it down. Oh, God damn it. <sighs> but thankfully, this does it for the movie, unless you were kind enough, because this was back when nobody really told you post-credit scenes were around, mm-hmm. and you do have to get through a good chunk of credits. This is before, I think Marvel had done it consistently enough, but it wasn't like, oh, you got to stay to watch. Right. And what we get is literally Tokyo Drift. <laughs> that is the... see, I love this. <laughs> Sorry. So we see someone in a car listening to a, a police scanner almost talking about the chase. And we're seeing the death of Han from a new perspective where they're literally using the footage. You see them skid through that crowd of people and miraculously no one gets hit. You see Han's car get blasted. And then you see someone get out of a car and I'm like, is it going to be Luke Evans? And that's how he's tied in. Nope. It's Jason fucking Statham, which was probably the most shocking thing in this entire movie. Like this was not publicized. Right. This was not leaked. It was genuinely surprising when he walked out of that car. Was this supposed to be and, exciting? Was this supposed to be like an exciting moment? Because honestly, at this it, point in 2013, I had given up on Jason Statham. I thought when he came out and he showed up in some of the Guy Ritchie's early stuff, like I thought he was actually kind of a cool actor. And then as time's gone on, he did Crank. He did a lot of these straight to fucking DVD shitty fucking action movies the mechanic please don't look that up it's fucking ridiculous yeah like, i had flat out given up on him so when he shows up i'm like okay so we get that next week yay i mean i i, I think it is supposed to be just because he, even the mechanic not being a great movie he's still in that pocket of the transporter franchise being his yeah, the, the bank the bank job crank series. yeah he, he was in expendables in 2010 Killer Elite mm. with fucking uh, De, Niro. De Niro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so in terms of, like, action stars, I, I think it was supposed to be. I didn't get it either, Garrett, but, like, I, you know, I, I think it's supposed to be a really Inception bomb kind of fucking drop. I think it worked for me because I, I had no idea. I'm a, I'm a big Jason Statham fan. Not of all his movies, but I love I love the Crank movies. Same. Love, yeah, same. Uh, I love him in the Italian Job remake. It's, it's not a great movie, but I like his part. I like a well, lot then of Well, next, next year, I guess we're doing Transporter then. <laughs> well, I will say, yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, even if the movie's bad, I still like him in it. He's just yeah. uh, he's, he's just a really great presence. And we also don't know, it is not mentioned who the fuck this guy is. He just right. gets out of the car, dials it, says, Dom, you don't know me, but you're about to. It's basically Garrett. He's Scott Hall showing up on Nitro <laughs> saying, you know who I am, but you don't uh. know why. I'm here. There we go. The car explodes. So we know now that four through six take place before Tokyo Drift. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. so stupid. It's so unnecessary. It's going to be my biggest, and it is my biggest problem of this entire franchise, is the unnecessary time shift. It, It doesn't make any sense, especially I was so mad after watching that fucking Fast 9 trailer because of a, a, a character they bring back. And how un- if you're going to do that anyway, just fucking don't fuck with the timeline. It's so dumb. It creates unnecessary questions. You write yourself into a fucking corner when you're not good enough to write yourself out of the corner. So why even fucking do that to begin with? You don't need to literally replay Tokyo Drift and tie it in 
with another character that the character was responsible for Han's death. You can literally, you can just pick this movie. You can pick Fast Six and be like, okay, uh, we'll replay another scene from Fast Six and get that from a different perspective in the same way that they did this. It's so fucking dumb. Oh, God, I hate it. I hate it more than all the bad acting and the bad choices and the bad script. <laughs> That's you hate it more than Letty being having amnesia? Oh, that is a fucking dream okay. compared to the fucking dumb <laughs> time shift. It just it yeah. lit, it just is so unnecessary. God well, damn it. That's a conversation for another day as far as the ramifications of what's to come. But yeah, that's gonna sure. do it for Fast Six. You know, as it stands, we know Jason Statham is coming for Vin Diesel. So between yeah, Vin Diesel, The Rock, and Jason Statham, it's okay to be bald in this universe. And like nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Even Brian got rid of his locks. Yeah. Four. All right. I'm sorry, guys. I have I have a great head of hair, but let me shave this. (laughs) He does. Like that was like the biggest casualty in the movie was Paul Walker's hair. Yeah. It's like I'll shave it, Dad. I swear to God. All right. Speaking of swearing to God, time to swear to me (sighs) about your thoughts on this movie. I I have an idea of where everyone's gonna fall, but I'm I'm gonna go to Alex first. Ah, no, I'm going first. I'm going first. No, no, all right, fine, fine. No no offense, no offense, but I got to get my stuff out there first. None taken. I'm I'm holding the floor here. I have so much to say about this. You know, I want it to be known, guys. People out there in binge land, I can go with B movie cheese. Case in point, last week I rewatched Shark Night 3D, a horrible movie from 10 years ago that I love despite its many flaws. This movie I hate because of its flaws. This was everything I was expecting this entire franchise to be. And I thought this was the main reason why I didn't want to do this fucking series. Mostly because I'm so disappointed in Justin Lin. I felt encouraged by what he did with Tokyo Drift. And there was a great action scene at the beginning of 4. Yeah, it kind of faltered, but there were flourishes. There were flourishes in 5 that I enjoyed. There was nothing in this movie that I enjoyed. It's got stupid soap opera plots. It's got a horribly written script. Nothing ties together. I think this is literally the case of... Matt, you can say what you want about Lady in the Water, okay? That you say was directed l- by somebody... Did you say directed by Lady in the Water? <laughs> now, I, I, direct- I know we're a little late into this recording, Garrett, but don't mix these two up because you're confusing me, okay? And, and, and Garrett, for the record, believe me, I have said everything I need to say about Lady <laughs> I know, but let me, let me finish my point. That was directed Sorry. by somebody who had conviction behind everything he directed. It was directed, as Mike Ganeri said on those podcasts, he, it was directed by somebody with conviction. This movie is directed by somebody who's succumbing to every single fucking ego on the set. Fuck Justin Lin, fuck Vin Diesel, fuck this franchise. The beginning of this movie was okay, but this is a 1 out of 10. This was awful. Awful experience. Alex. <laughs> Did you Alex, get a 1 guess, out of 10? I guess. Yeah, 1 out of 10. We, we have, wow. I, there was nothing to like about this. All movie. right. I was so bored. All right. So now it makes sense why you wanted to go first. Now there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, Alex, I'm going to I'm gonna shut up because I got yelled at last time I gave you the floor. So just, just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things I got to do, just as a side note, is I, I got to go back to our retros and uh, mark down. I'm, I'm really bad at keeping track of my ratings for films. I'm just, just I'm, I'm, I, I like to review it, rate it, and then just move on with life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to keep better track of these because you know, after watching it uh, a couple of times and then sitting down and uh, thinking about this, you know, and my wife was there, and I was just like, you know what, I like this better than four. But I don't know if it's as good as uh, fucking weird word for this 
franchise, but I don't know if it's as good as the first one, but it's not obviously not as great as five is, but I don't know if I like it better than three. This movie is just, it's overblown. It's way too long. It has the uh, return of the King syndrome where there's multiple endings for no fucking reason. I, I, I do like Luke Evans as, as the big bad. Um, I wish he did more. That's obviously a problem. You know, the gang is the gang. You know, it's what I come to expect. The action scenes were decent, but they really didn't add anything new in the way that Fast Five did. And, and that's why I come to these movies to begin with. They tend to up the game in terms of these action scenes. I really, really loved the fight in the uh, airplane. I really, really dug that. <laughs> I just love that, you know, fucking uh, Brian shows up, gets his ass handed to him quickly. I mean, it's not even fucking close. This guy gets his ass fucking kicked so quickly and has Daddy Dom save him against the big hulking not Hobbs. And then uh, Uncle Hobbs and, and Dom double teaming this guy is just fucking classic. I mean, they, we get a fucking scene where Vin Diesel lifts this dude up and Hobbs just fucking clotheslines him. I think that's fucking amazing. My wife, uh, she she rated this movie a flying on ten because just the <laughs> the amount of flying in this is just off the fucking charts. I always come into these wanting to rate it a certain movie, wanting to rate the movie a certain rating, and then through the discussion, rating it something different. Going into this, I was going to rate this a six, but it's a five. It's a five on 10. And you know what? It's a four on 10. It's a classic GC. It's a classic GC four on 10. There's not really much going for this film at all. Some of the tech is cool, but they don't they don't really lean too much on it. It's just kind of introduced and then just lost for some reason. The narrative threads are just so fucking bad. Not to mention some of the uh, some of the acting, of course. That's gonna go without saying. And then I, I don't like the turn of Hobbs just being Dom's bitch. Hobbs is no longer the hulking, even though he's getting bigger. He's no longer the hulking presence that we knew in Fast Five. He's gonna continue to get smaller and smaller. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go with the classic GC Anton. I'm glad you changed your score because I actually have written down the first one you said of a five. Hmm. Within the lines of this series, to use another car pun, I'm going to stay in the lane of judging these movies against other movies in this franchise. Sure. This is like watching the fifth one without any sense of reinvention or new life. This feels like a movie that you make 10 years after everyone stops giving a shit. Mm. You know, we get all the people back together and we're going to bring someone back that you weren't expecting, but we're not going to give them a story to care about or, you know, any sense of imagination. You know, the fourth one was a, I love the fourth one because it's, it's a consummate classic revenge movie with racing as the backdrop. Fifth one. Yeah. They plagiarized the ocean movies part and parcel, but you can say the same thing about the first one in point break. This one is just a scattershot mess with no central idea it's like they took the Mission Impossible movies and tried to do what Brad Bird did on the fourth one. But they failed to realize, yeah, Tom Cruise has as big of an ego as Vin Diesel. But Tom Cruise wasn't afraid to let his co-stars share the spotlight or have scenes of their own that are important. I don't like Jeremy Renner personally, but, you know, he got some good stuff in, in Ghost Protocol. Uh, Simon Pegg, Vin Rames. Here, everybody... They try to justify it by breaking them off for 10 minutes in like the first slash early second act of the movie. But that's really it. Other than that, what you see is what you get. And you either like this movie or you don't. As a Fast and Furious movie, it loses me as soon as you get to the tank. Because I realize nothing matters. 
And I know that's dumb to say, given within the confines of this series, but without definitive ending in sight or a really detestable villain or having everyone survive, except for Giselle, who's the most superfluous character by far, everything just feels like very small, despite a globetrotting adventure. So I don't think this is the worst one we've covered. I still think Too Fast, Too Furious is worse. Mm -hmm. But after four and five, this was a big letdown. So I'm going to land on a five on ten. Despite our opinions, the movie still made a shitload of money, but unfortunately, uh, there was the real-life bitch slapping us in the face with Paul Walker dying only six months after this movie came out. Mm-hmm. And this was after we knew there was going to be a seventh one. James Wan, who was announced to direct the movie before six even came out, huh. got me excited. But Paul Walker dying just kind of, I don't want to say it killed my excitement, but I was like... Oh God! What the hell are they going to do? That—that that was my biggest question. You know, this was not a Heath Ledger situation where the movie was 100% done. In the case of The Dark Knight, I'm not talking about the Doctor Parnassus situation, but it was a question of what are we going to do? James Wan can he handle a movie of this scope? So, those are kind of my questions going into the movie. So, when everything ha- happened with Paul Walker and the seventh movie, what were you guys thinking? when you heard this was it was still going to happen. I know they, they punted the release a little bit, but did you have any anticipation whatsoever or did this feel like we just got to keep it going regardless of real life circumstances? Yeah, for me, it was just, the, let's see how they handle it. Yeah. You know, just to go back to James Wan for a second, I was both encouraged and discouraged about his hiring for reasons I'll get into next week. But yeah, the whole Paul Walker thing, you know, the more we've gone into the series, you know, I've joked around a lot about Paul Walker and his acting ability and such. But the more I've gotten into this, maybe this movie discouraged. I do realize his importance to this franchise. And I do realize that he had a real connection with a lot of people. And it was a big reason came if it wasn't for Daddy Vin Diesel. It was Paul Walker. So I've kind of calmed down on that sense. So I, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a sad situation. And I, that was the way I thought too. James Wan's name was the reason why I wanted to watch this movie. So I went through all of these movies and I was, okay, what are they going to do with this character? They have been tapering him off little by little, as you mentioned, Matt, in the beginning of this podcast. What are they going to do now? So yeah, that was a big question I had before I saw this movie. And yes, I did see this in theaters. This was my first Fast and Furious theatrical experience. This one I saw in the theater, and I'll say it wasn't the only time I saw it in the theater. This was not a one-time viewing for me, for reasons I'll talk about. But glad we we put that one behind us, because to be honest, I know our opinions are certainly not the consensus one, because six tends to rank pretty high when you ask people to rank these movies, because fuck us, right? (laughs) Yeah. 700-something million reasons why they all said fuck you to people like us who really denounced this film. Unbelievable. Talking about making money hand over fist, that pales in comparison to what the next one's going to do. So until next time, boys, I had a really good time. You know, this has been a lot of fun, especially hearing Garrett just unleash at the end. Like I've never been told to change the order of asking people (laughs) to give their comments. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. Well, I was hoping we, you would go to me first. Yeah, too. We all need our, we all, I want to save you for last because I knew you were going to have a certain uh, reaction just based on our conversation. But if you like hearing us rant and hearing us bitch and moan and yell at each other, subscribe to our Patreon over at <laughs> patreon.com slash binge media for just $5 a month. That's right. You get to listen to plus hours of people yelling at each other drunkenly over the airwaves, which we don't do. I tend to not drink during these shows because Garrett yells at me when I do because I turn into an asshole. Fortunately, Garrett and I don't really do much on the Patreon, although we're talking about some ideas sometime down the line. But you can listen to the full binge cast 
Get the first two hours free at BingeMedia.net. But if you want to listen to the full show, which is typically about twice that length, it's only $5 a month and you get a whole bunch of new content. Much like the Fast and Furious franchise, ride or die, we're just going to keep stuff coming out until the cars run out of gas. But That's boys, right. mm. thank you for joining me as always. And until next time, you know what they say? If you want the career changing podcast, you got to be willing to put on the big boy pants and sail out to the deep water. Thank you, guys. We hit the room, me and my crew, and it was cool until we bumped into you. Which one of these things is a dollar? It says something about. Back in ancient times, I wanna know what those replacement hips. Is that a swatch watch? Do you know what time it is? The binge aftertaste is produced by Garrett and Matt. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. I'll have the tuna. No crust. No crust. So now we got cars flying in the air on some 007 type shit? This is not what we do. I feel like the sky is falling down. Ain't nobody here to play around. Push it to the edge, I won't back down. Cause it's time to go hard and go Voice narration done by Adam. You don't turn your back on family. Even when they do. Edited by Garrett. You know what DK stands for? Donkey Kong. King. That could have been my forehead, man. No, that's not as big as your forehead. I used to say I lived my life a quarter mile at a time. And I think that's why we were brothers. Because you did too. just thinking about this movie so. oh boy no, Alex, I, hope, you, I sure hope as how you were recording yes <laughs> I that's am. a blooper in itself I am always recording Garrett to, to do a point of comparison 
This is the unofficial movie that Pierce Brosnan never got to make when he was James Bond. Oh, man, that's giving him pretty high praise in my eyes. It's also sad in a lot of ways. They said that... (laughs) 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 They said when this was coming out that they had the fifth and sixth one. Hold on. Sorry about that. They... And he tells them all, all right, here's the deal. We... we, uh, I was going to call him Hobbs. Matt, Matt, it sounds like you're having a better time with this than me and Alex are. Are you having a good time at this point? Where, oh, what are we about now? Right. I'm, I'm having a great time with this movie, oh, but I'm not oh. – I can't take it seriously. If this was a soap opera, it would be As the Wheel Turns. Like that, <laughs> That's what you should call this movie. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked that question. All right, go on. <laughs> One of the things that my wife brings up with, with these movies is, especially the races and the later ones, the later films, is how do they know when the race ends? Because like you, <laughs> you, you never know. <laughs> they just end up at a like a rendezvous spot and just start talking in like the last couple of movies. Can we make Liz the third next week and then just kick Matt off? Is oh, fine? sure, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> right. Matt. The comparison I made, you know. Oh no, that that just that just gets a nick in your back out. Like I'm talking about like a full fledged like therapeutic session. <laughs> Although I, I shouldn't be making old jokes. Ah, you, th- you know what? That's okay. I accept that. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Well, good because you can't edit that shit out. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. By by this point, and Hobbs just fucking clotheslines him. I think that's fucking amazing. There's a flying headbutt by Dom, flying headbutt by and Dom. that is yes. absolutely that is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I'm hearing myself. That's I'm weird. Myself. Who has echo? Was that you? Who has echo? Was that you? That's coming from somewhere. That's coming from somewhere. Oh. Sorry, Matt. Right. Is that you? All right. Sorry. Try now. Check. 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 Okay. All right. Good. You've been listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network at BingeMedia.net. Support the show by donating on Patreon at Patreon.com slash BingeMedia. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget... Shut up! I'm waiting.